are delighted to be joined by former Saints captain, back-to-back promotion winning uh, captain, may I add. He also led us to success in the, the JPT trophy, lest we forget. Uh, it's Dean Hammond. How are you doing, Dean? I'm very well, guys. Very well. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Um, I guess, yeah, it's been a few years since you hung up your playing boots. What are you up to now? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, I think it's been four years now, maybe five this this summer coming. Um, and yeah, I've just tried my hand at a few things, if, if I'm honest. Um, I'm back involved now with Southampton, uh, working on the media side, which is great. I'm working with Leicester as well. Um, so enjoying working on that side of the game, analysing the game and looking at it from uh, a different point of view. And uh, But I had different roles, worked at Leicester uh, as line manager, which was great. Um, I dipped my toe in at, at coming back potentially and playing, so I kept myself fit. And that, that didn't last very long with uh, with COVID hitting, so um, wasn't meant to be. Um, and and tried a few fitness things. So look, I'm I'm and spent a lot of time with the family, which is which has been lovely. I've got three children, um, and that and that's been really really good. So yeah, um, do I miss the game? Yes, of course I do. But it, it's been okay. It's been all right. Lovely stuff. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. We're going to start naturally at Saints, but before we do, there's a bit of a connection to Hastings. My brother has lived in Hastings for nearly 10 years now, and I don't want to dig you out, Dean, but I don't think you're Hastings' most uh, yeah, famous footballing son. That would have to be Gareth Barry, would it not? Do you know what? I can't argue with that, can I? The leading <laughs> Premier League appearance player. Yeah, Gareth Barry was in the same store as me, so we both went to no William Parker in uh, Hastings. He's two years, two years older than me. Um, and his actual, uh, I showed a pedigree of him, his actual um, age group, they won the, the school's national. So they're the best team in the country um, for his age group. So, but we've got a few boys from Hastings. Who've gone, um, so, yeah, it's, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a good player, isn't he? He had, he had an all right career, I think, Gareth. I think you could say that. I feel like he missed out on calling himself Gary Barry, though. I think that would have been one of the most iconic footballer's names of all time. Went a bit more, uh, yeah, formal with Gareth. Um, my brother, my brother actually lives next door to his brother, um, who is, okay. a, is, a, is a fireman, lovely bloke. Yeah, okay. very, very nice chap. Um, so, yeah, Dean, so naturally, you didn't go far playing for Brighton in your early years, then Colchester, and we're going to move into, the, into Saints now. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how the move came about? Because obviously we were strengthening that summer going into uh, the League One campaign. We'd signed a few kind of higher profile players. I think we had a couple of bids for you that were not backed by Colchester. Is that right? Yeah, so it all came about with a, a conversation I'd had um, with Dean Wilkins. Um, I'd worked with Dean Wilkins. It was obviously a, a coach at Southampton at the time. Alan Pardew brought him in. Um, and Dean had just given me a call in the summer and said, look, we're, we're, we've got a, a list of midfield players. Um, you're on that list, would you be interested? And I was like, well, of course, a massive club like Southampton, yes, I'd be interested, but obviously I had a contract at Colchester. I was enjoying my time at Colchester, playing under Paul Lambert, a, a really good manager. And that's how it started, really, just with a, a general chat, a general conversation. So no approach, just whether I'd be interested and didn't hear anything more of it uh, until a few weeks later into, into pre-season. Um, I heard a bid had gone in, bid was rejected. Uh, like you said, an additional bid went in, rejected again. So I didn't think it was going to happen, um, if I'm honest, which I was gutted about. Um, and Colchester were negotiating a new contract at the time with myself. 
Um, but I, I did want to move to Southampton. I really, really did and, and tried to push it a bit. And um, I didn't think it was going to happen. And then we played, it's a, it's a funny story, really. we played um, Norwich on the opening day of the season um, and, and we won 7-1 um, at Norwich. And Paul Lamb, I believe, um, got offered the Norwich job um, in the in the tunnel after the game. Um, I think Brian Gunn was the manager at Norwich at the time um, and he only had one game. But obviously I wasn't aware of this. We weren't aware of this. Um, and I think we played a game on the weekend again. There was some negotiation with Southampton, blah, blah, blah. And then we came into training on the Tuesday and there was press everywhere, cameras everywhere. And I'm thinking, God, this is... Me going to Southampton is not that big a story, surely. And I thought everyone was there for me, thinking, oh, OK, look, captain's leaving, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, Paul Lambert had gone to Norwich then. He'd gone the job and he got the job. So my transfer kind of went under the radar, which was which was quite nice. Because um, I remember a, a former player at Colchester, Pat Baldwin, ringing me up and saying, look, Dina, um, so I can't think who took over at Colchester at the time. But coach did and put, wanted to make Pat captain. Um, and Pat felt was it was up to like you know out of respect to me to give me a call and say look Dean I've been asked to to take the team and captain the team so I hope like it'll be all right and you know you can continue playing I was like mate it's not a problem at all because I'm down in Southampton signing for Southampton so you crack on (laughs) (laughs) so good so how did you um did you guys in that first season sort of felt like you underachieved a little bit because I know I know we had the minus 10 points deduction, but do you think you should have got in the playoffs that first season with the, with the squad we had? That's a great question, Sam, to be honest. Did we underachieve? I don't think we did. I think if you look at it, when we came in, it took us a little while to bed in with all the players and it took a little while to get um, us playing how Alan wanted us to play, you know, high tempo, um, forward thinking, balls in the box, lots of action and embedding new players. And that took a bit of time. And I think we drew quite a few games to start with. And then we had a really strong January transfer window. You know, I think we bought Jose Fontaine, we bought Jason Punchin in Lee Barnard. And that gave us a real impotence. It gave us a real light push um, and, and a real belief as well that we potentially could get into, into the playoffs. Um, and then obviously with the Paints Trophy, that was brilliant. And Nigel was, um, sorry, and Alan was pretty clear with that, that he wanted us to win that. He really did. He felt as though if we could win each game, get into the next round, it would breed that confidence, breed that belief to take into the league. And it, it really did. And unfortunately, we just, we fell a bit short, but we played some some good games. And I'd also say that I think Huddersfield, we were competing against Huddersfield, maybe Peterborough, I can't remember exactly, but they were winning every week as well. You know, we'd come into the dressing room afterwards and go, right, before we'd even celebrate a win or whatever, just be like, how did Huddersfield do? How did Peterborough do? And they were winning. Um, so, yeah, it was um, some disappointment, I'd say, and frustration. But did we underachieve? I don't think we did. I, don't, I know what you're saying with the squad we had, with the players that, that we, could we got into the playoffs? I think, we, yeah. Um, we could have done, but I don't think we underachieved in that year. No, I completely agree. I mean, it's the, the slow start that really, that really did us at the end because we, I mean, we had, had runs. That, I mean, we, I remember it was a week we beat, I think it was Walsall and Huddersfield, we beat them 5 5 1 and 5 0 at home. Yeah. There were some brilliant games that season. You, you touched on um, the Johnson's Paint Trophy and obviously the runs of the final, there were some memorable games, also the Norwich game when the penalty shootout with Wayne Thomas scoring the uh, winning penalty. 
how did you sort of find how did you sort of find it with um obviously with, had an incredible atmosphere in this in the area final at St Mary's how did you guys find it and obviously get into the final and then we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about the final shortly brilliant absolutely loved it and um it was just I think then I I think you know so from the outside and playing for the club you know how big the club is but I think you know you talk about that game against MK Dons um in the area final um, before we get to the final and the atmosphere at St Mary's was unbelievable you know I'd not experienced that before it was a full house there was an expectation there was an it was a, an atmosphere that I'd not played in before um as a home team player with that support and it, it was brilliant it really really was and the journey, you know, winning on penalties. I think we beat Torquay on penalties as well. Did we beat Torquay on yeah, penalties yeah. as well? Where Paul Watton scored the winner. And then we beat Norwich with Papa Wago scoring in the last minute. Um, he, I mean, he was a brilliant guy. Really, really was. Not sure he knew the offside ball, but he was he was a good guy and scored some really important goals for us. So it was an enjoyable run. And I think we could have gone out, like I say, I think we could have gone out to Torquay. We could have gone out to Norwich. Um, but once you got through them rounds, built some momentum, the team was getting more familiar but you remember as well in in that competition we couldn't play a lot of the players you know Jason Punch and Lee Barner were all cup tied players like that Dan Seaborn were cup tied so you know that's when I think Raddy Jaidi come in Paul Watton would come in um, Simon Gillett would come in so different players that were coming and, and done a brilliant job as well so it was a real team effort um, but it was it was great and I think it was the I really realised then for how big a club I was what the bigger club I was playing for it was huge Huge. Yeah, brilliant. It was um obviously we'll get on to it now. It was a memorable day back at the end of March in 2010. You, you led us out at Wembley and we beat Carlisle 4-1. Just talk us through your experience of that whole day and just how it how it just how it felt for you really. Again, brilliant, something I'd always wanted to do in my career and, and play at Wembley. Um and to be given that opportunity was great. Um, I remember the the night before at the hotel and we sat down for the the normal um, team meal with the staff and um, Alan Pardew actually said, look, lads, look, you can have a drink if you want. Have a drink. If you want to calm your nerves, you want to have a drink, glass of wine, a couple of beers, no problem. But just have a couple. If that's going to help you sleep, going to help you relax your nerves, any anxiety, then do it. And I think a, a few of the players did um, and a few players didn't. Um, so that was good. And that would that was... Alan was very good at that, uh, analysing the room and analysing the feeling within the team and then responding to that and making a decision on that. And I think that was a really good thing to do. Um, and then in the morning, getting the bus from the hotel to the stadium and then getting towards Wembley and just seeing the red and white everywhere. I think I've said it before in other interviews. And things, I think the players, I remember sitting on the table, sitting opposite Ricky Lambert, and I think we just looked at each other, looked out the window. And there was no way we weren't going to win that day. No way. After seeing that support and um, obviously what the club had been through and now where we were, I think we appreciated that. So it was fantastic. Then you get into the dressing room, you feel the buzz and then you walk out. I mean, it was walking, just going out for the warm-up was so loud. There were so many Southampton fans in already. And just doing a warm-up was, was brilliant. I didn't get that nervous before too many games, but I did feel the nerves. I must admit, I felt the importance of it in that game. Um, and look, sounds a silly thing to think. I say we won 4-1, but I don't think we played that well, if I'm honest. Um, and and Carlisle actually started very, very well. Um, had a lot of the ball and put us under a bit of pressure. And then um, 
I think we get the penalties. That is a penalty the first goal, whether their yeah. defender handballs it, makes a silly decision. And as soon as Ricky scores um, the penalty, um, then the, we, there's no way back. I mean, Adam Lallana then gets a goal. Michael Antonio gets a goal or uh, Papa gets a goal. And it's just 4-0. And I think being 4-0 up at Wembley, um, it gave me the opportunity, which you didn't in games, to actually appreciate and look around and have a look around and really kind of mm. feel the atmosphere because it was that comfortable. Um, and that was that that was that was good, I must admit. And then obviously lifting the trophy with the fans and celebrating with the players um, was the start. It felt it really felt like the start of something big. It really did. Uh, were the post match celebs were they uh, quite quite lively? <laughs> yeah, we did have a, we had a few, we had a few drinks. I must admit, it was good. Um, I don't, do you know what? I think there was a couple of drinks in the dressing room afterwards, but it wasn't that many. So, bus back, and I remember getting the bus back to Southampton. I think the club, the club put a celebrating meal on, um, but we stopped somewhere in London at the worst off license you've ever seen in your life. And I think we cleared it out. I think we literally just, um, he must have thought it was Christmas. I think, um, I think Alan gave us some money. Um, I think me and, I can't think who it was. I think me and Wayne Thomas, I think got off the bus and we just cleared. And Dean Wilkins, I think came as well, just to keep an eye on us. And we just took everything and we had a few drinks on the bus and then went to the celebrating meal. I think we were, well, I don't think, I know we went out afters as well and had a good few more drinks and, yeah, it was an interesting next day. I remember, I probably shouldn't say this, I remember picking my car up the next day from the stadium and getting in my car and just like going to drive and then having to stop and turn the engine off and get out and be sick all in the, in the, in the car park at the stadium because I was just that hungover. But um, yeah, great, great celebrations really was. Everyone there together and the, the club were good at that. Wives were there. Kids were there if you wanted, family members were there, staff members, everyone together. And it was like I say, it just felt as though something was happening. It was a fantastic fan. I mean, you mentioned it. It's very rare as a Southampton fan through the roller coaster we have that you go to a game knowing they're going to win. And if you guys I just knew I just knew you were going to win that day, it was just just a almost a perfect storm. Yeah, it was a great day. Um, you mentioned Alan Pardew. Obviously, it was a tough summer after after we missed out on the playoffs with um, obviously Marcus Sabi passing away, and then at the start yeah. of the season, Alan um, Alan getting the sack. But how did you sort of feel about um, Alan, Alan leaving the club? It's, it was an interesting one because I didn't I didn't if I'm personally I didn't see it coming or didn't think it was happening. You heard some rumours. You heard there was some potential disagreements um, between um, Alan and some of the board members and difference of opinion, really. But you get that in football, really. And I, I didn't I didn't believe that would lead to Alan leaving the club. We didn't start the season too well. Um, I think we lost to Plymouth on the opening day of the season, drew a couple of games. And then we put a really, really good performance in away at Bristol Rovers. And I think we won 4-0, 5-0, something like that, but played very, very well. It was actually Goody De Prado's first game, I think it was. Um, and I thought, OK, again, I thought, right, OK, right, we started sloppy. We've got some players back from injury now. We've made a couple of signings. Right, we'll really kick on now. Um, and then driving into driving into the training ground on the Monday, and I heard it on the radio. I heard it on the radio that had been relieved of his duties and, and been sacked, really. Um, so got into the dressing room, got into the uh, training ground, was met by Cal, Calvin Davis and um, 
Nicola Cortese, and he just had a quick meeting with us and explained what had happened. Didn't give us a reason for it, but explained what was happening and the fact that that Dean Wilkins and Martin Hunter were going to take control for for a few games while you look for a new manager at the, the football club. So unexpected, unexpected and disappointed as well, because I think any time a manager gets the sack, it obviously, as players, you put, you play a part in that. Um, so you do feel as though you, you let him down a little bit. Um, but ultimately, it's a club's decision and they felt it was the right one. And if you look back on now, it probably was. You can't argue with that. So, um, yeah, but I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, it must have been interesting for you guys at the club because obviously when you joined, Cal- Kelvin was obviously the club captain. And then I think it was about maybe a few months into the season, maybe we hadn't started so well. So I think maybe Alan wanted a, another voice from out on the in, the in the outfield and he made you the, the captain. How did, you, how, did you, how, did, how did that dynamic work with you and Kelvin? Well, it worked and it worked great. And, and that's that I would have to say, I give a lot of credit to that, credit to that for Kelvin. Um, because obviously there would have been some disappointment from him, um, obviously wearing the armband and being club captain and team captain as well. Um, so uh, full respect of him for being open and um, being willing to accept me in that role, if I'm honest. Um, and I'd captain at other clubs, I've been captain at Brighton, I've been captain at Colchester. Um, and again, it was just a meeting with Alan, didn't expect it, didn't know it was coming pulled me and Kelvin to the dressing room and explained the reasons like you've just touched on there, Sam. Just said, look, I want, an, I want an extra voice on the pitch. I want someone who can influence the referee. I want someone who can um, influence the players around him. And I don't think he didn't feel as though Cal could do that from being a goalkeeper. It was nothing to do with Cal. It was more his position, really. Um, and obviously, I was fortunate enough and um, to be given, given that role. And um, there was no doubt in my mind. I didn't hesitate on it. I accepted it. And and took it with with both hands, but it was interesting because I'd only just really signed for the club, so I'm trying to bed in as a new player. I'm trying to prove myself as a new player at the biggest club that I'd played for at the time, um, and then I've got to now prove myself as a captain as well to the group. Uh, yeah, it was interesting, but look, there was never any doubt. And any time I wore that armband, I think it made me a better player. So I was grateful with it. Dean, you've um you've touched on. Alan Pardew and I guess we've kind of led us to the point that he he moves on with Pardew leaving and I guess ultimately Nigel Adkin, Adkins replacing him what was the biggest difference you you saw in their management styles yeah good question um Nigel Nigel was very um consistent in his approach quite calm um quite, uh, he was a deep thinker. Um, he looked into all parts of the game where I felt as though uh, Alan was a manager, wanted to just concentrate on the first team and get results. And I felt as though that's what he thought he was brought in to get results for the first team. Nigel kind of looked at the whole picture. He would look at the academy, he wanted to build a football club. Um, Nigel would have more um, open conversations with the players, um, one-to-one or whether it was in a group. I think that was the difference. Different styles of play as well. You know, Nigel came in and wanted us to play out from the back, wanted us to be more um, patient in possession, but forward thinking. Uh, Alan was more or less about high tempo, put them under pressure, get the ball forward, which both worked for us. They, they really did. So there's no comparison there. Um, so different characters. Nigel was um, 
more of a thinker and wanted that more of that input from the group where Alan was like, I'm the manager, this is the decision, you're going to play for me and I'll inspire you by how I motivate you, how we play. Um, and, and Nigel was more like, I want to understand what you're feeding player, to the players. What input, what do you think? What's your opinion? And obviously he made the final decision, but he wanted to know how we were feeling. Um, so the, I think those are the differences. I guess we can kind of move into the the championship season in a second. But yeah, are there any standout moments from that League One promotion uh, winning season. I guess Jose Font's goal away at Brighton lives long in the memory for most Saints fans. But is there any other moments that you want to highlight? Like, what was that buzz like as a as a player? Because we just ran each other so close that season. We were we were kind of very big rivals. But also for you, having you know started your career at Brighton, yeah. What what was that day like? Yeah, I mean, like the standout performances. There was many that 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 season. Brighton obviously was was unbelievable to obviously win it there. I think they were definitely promoted. I think they were champions as well at the time. Um, I think it was a bank holiday Monday as well. I think it was. Um, but other performances before that, I think the ones that stand out to me that, you know, I think I didn't, pl- uh, uh, I don't think I played it, but I think we played away at Oldham and won 7-1. I think, I think that was that season. Um, the, the, being 2-0 down and win 3-2 at home to MK Dons. MK Dons, um, yeah. You know, when, um, uh, two goals in, in quick succession was really, really important by Jonathan Fall. Um, there was a home performance early on, which, you know, Nigel had just come in and uh, things weren't quite clicking. We hadn't won too many games. I think we played Bournemouth at home. I think we won 2-0. Uh, but it was one of, it was a brilliant performance. You know, we were playing quite fluently out from the back then. We were making combinations. Players were, you know, using the movements that we've been working on in training. And it felt as though, okay, again, this could be the start of something. So there was a few performances, obviously, the game away at Plymouth, um, the game at, at Walsall to, to kind of cement promotion, even though we were promoted. Um, but yeah, that game at Brighton was was pretty special. There was some, yeah, it was quite intense, I must admit, even, even before the game. Nigel, uh, that's the only time. Nigel was a little bit different that day. A little bit different. I think it's the only time I've seen it where you, as like as captain, before the game, two two captains will go and meet the referees, uh, and usually it's the assistant managers. But Nigel always did it as manager. He wanted to go in because he wanted to speak to the referees, maybe build a relationship. Always said to me, "Look, be polite, listen, try and build a rapport, understand their first name, blah blah blah, so you can talk to them on the pitch." Brilliant. Okay. But Charlie Oakway was the assistant manager at Brighton. Now I played with Charlie at Brighton, and Charlie's a character, and yeah, he's a he's an old school character as well, like that. So <laughs> there was no backing down from him, and there was just and that and obviously it was a porter cabin as well. So the referee's room is quite tight, and there was just an atmosphere in there because Charlie and Nigel just didn't get on, and it was really awkward, really really awkward. And I think that just built the build up to the game. And then we obviously were one nil down at half time, and I'd not seen it before. Nigel lost it at half time. He'd never. He'd always quite calm. He's quite considered. It would be more right. I don't care what's happened in that half. This is how we're going to win the game now by making substitutions or giving you some tactical advice. Is this what we need to do? And he just walked in and he he kicked the you know like the containers that you keep all the kit in 
he must have hurt his foot, but he didn't show it, but he booted it and and, <laughs> and, and, and gave some home truths really, and it worked. We went on to win the game 2-1, but, you know, with, with Jose scoring that goal at the end, I think Ricky tried to claim it, but obviously with the fans coming on, it was brilliant. It was really, really good, really, really good. And it was an important win as well, because I think, again, Huddersfield had won and they were chasing us. So, yeah, it was a, it was a huge win, but a good day as well. It was also the last season before Brighton moved to the Amex, right? As well, yeah. and there was that. Yeah. That was that feeling of like you mentioned the porter cabins and it being a bit old school and yeah, uh, yeah Charlie Oakwell, whatever. But it felt, you know, looking back now, quite old school. Like the distance contest, the cover to get to the fans and stuff around the running track. It's just, yeah, great, great memories. Oh, brilliant memories! It's a, it's a great, it's a great header as well. I mean, I think it's an assist from Calvert. I think I think it's straight from a free kick or an offside decision. <laughs> And yeah, it's a great header. It was my, I think at the time, my, my friends I'm close with, Adam Alab, um, was playing for Brighton. Um, and he'd actually, he couldn't jump because I think he dislocated or broke his, not broke his ankle, but he'd done something bad to his ankle. So obviously with a bit of luck for us, he couldn't get up for the jump because he was struggling with his ankle at the time. Um, but then the celebrations after, jumping over the board in, Everyone going over, the fans coming on. It was it was unbelievable, really. And you, you I think what we've done is probably six and a half thousand people there, but it felt like it was, I don't know, it felt like there was thirty thousand Southampton fans. It was it was brilliant. It really was. Yeah, I was in the away end that day, and it was something very special. It was uh, yeah. I'm not seeing many celebrations like that, and it's like it felt like the um, the stands in a break, just a, <laughs> yeah. a little temporary yeah. stand. Okay, so you claim promotion to the championship. I want to touch on the opening day of the season, Dean, which I guess for for me is one of those, yeah, kind of iconic days, really. And you score the opening goal of the of the season. It must be one of your your favourite Saints goals, or maybe even career goals, right? That that first goal against Leeds. It was, yeah. There's no hiding away from it. Um, it, it was instinctive never planned that I mean I'm, look, I, have I ever shot with my left foot that far away since or before I don't think so not even in training um, I think if you look at it I'd actually take the ball off of Adam Nalana in the middle of the pitch so again what am I doing with that you know I don't take the ball off Adam Nalana and then I drive forward with it and I'm thinking I'm looking for a pass but there's no one on so I think oh, that's just solid let's have a shot and it's it's one of those strikes I think as soon as I hit it I thought it's got a chance here um, and it just, you know, obviously going in, being the first game of the season, being live on Sky, Southampton being back in the championship. Um, yeah, it was a it was a brilliant feeling, I must admit. I, it's one of my most memorable feelings as a as a Southampton player. Um, and celebrating with the boys and um just thinking, okay, look, this we've we we are gonna do okay this year, I think. You know, we're playing Leeds on the only day of the season, who are probably one of the promotion favourites and I probably wasn't even supposed to play, if I'm honest. I'd had food poisoning. Uh, I'd missed the last, I'd list, I missed the last pre-season game with with food poisoning the weekend before. I think it was away at Yeovil, and Morgan and Corky had, had, had played and played really well together. So I didn't expect to play. I must admit. Um, and then Nigel pulled me on the Friday and said, "Look, are you fit?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course I am." He said, "Look, do you want to start?" I was like, "Do I need to answer that?" Or just so yeah, so obviously started and, and played and. Um, scored and it was a great performance. I mean, the goal from Adam Lalana as well, where he checks bats, curls it in his left foot. I think there's another opportunity where he almost scores as well. We could have been three or four up at half time. 
And then David Connolly's goal as well, which is a brilliant finish. It really, really is. So yeah, it was a good, it was a good way to start the championship. It really was. So you get a few games into the championship that season. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt as players, but as a fan, I started looking at it thinking there's not a there's no better team in the championship with us. And that was and that was just straight after promotion, really, five or six games in. Did you guys sort of feel that as as the season went on? I think we felt it by proving it. I think there was an, an inner belief within the group. We came back for, for pre-season and the first day in Nigel, uh, we had a team meeting. Nigel walked in and just just confidently and um, kind of demanding, saying, look, we're going for promotion this year. There's no hiding away from it. We're Southampton Football Club. We've got a brilliant squad of players. I want to get promoted this year. Our aim is to get promoted. Now, we didn't shout about that in, in the public. We didn't shout about it in the press. Um, but within the group, we were like, okay, well, this, it, it, it kind of just, there was no hesitation then. There was no like, well, what are we trying to do? We're trying to survive. We're trying to get in the playoffs. It was like, look, let's just go and get promoted. And we had a good pre-season. Uh, we went away to Switzerland. That was good. Um, we had some good games during pre-season. We felt fit and strong. Um, and look, you know the quality of player we had as well, which, which was great. So we had that belief to start with, but then when you start winning games, you're adding to that belief. Then there becomes confidence and almost like a an inner arrogance, if that makes sense. And look, we are we are good enough at this level, uh, and the results prove that. I mean, the, the performance away at Ipswich when we won five two, I think that's one of the best performances um, that I've seen from Southampton or played in for for Southampton. The home, uh, the game against Birmingham as well. I think we won over four nil up at half time, something like that. I think. As well, we broke some records from this previous season. We'd won 17 home games in a row or something. And then I think where it really, it really felt as though we was going to do something is when we beat West Ham at home, 1-0, because they were, they were a Premier League team, really. Um, and we didn't, it wasn't the most footballing game, free-flowing um, technical football. And we showed a different side to us. We, we beat West Ham 1-0 from a set piece. So I think from that moment, we thought, OK, we could really do something special here. Yeah, I mean, I remember the atmosphere that night. It was absolutely electric as well. I think it was a, I don't know if it's still, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure if it still is. I think it was a record attendance for St Mary's as well. Yeah. You could just, you could just feel like it was a, almost a Premier League game and waiting. It was just such a big, big atmosphere that night. I mean, but, it, was, uh, it was. It was a brilliant game. It, and it was like, well, obviously, Sam Anadice was manager. Um, they had some top, top players. They were expected to win, expected to get promoted. Um, and we fancied ourselves. We really did. We did. We thought we could beat them. I don't think there were too many chances in, in the game. Um, but Josh Holvout, you know, got his head on something, and um, which he did during the season. Um, he's a good attacking set pieces. Terrible practising them on a Friday, though. Terrible. Couldn't get his head to anything. But then in the game, he would connect. So it didn't really matter. So, yeah, it's a good one they'll win. What sort of character was he like to play with, Joss? Oh, he's, he was brilliant. I mean, he came in, he came in, I think it was about three games, maybe four games into the season. I think Dan Seaborn had been playing. Um, and Nigel wanted that that balance, you know, a right-sided centre-half, a left-sided centre-half, so they could both play. There was that balance. Came in on loan from Celtic, I think he did, and just, just bowled into the dressing room, confident, smile on his face. and But he was just a brilliant character. You know, there was no arrogance behind it he was just like he was happy to be there he wanted to play and he was he's lovely he's, he's a good character he got well involved with the lads 
Um, and just, yeah, he settled in very, very quickly. He's a good player as well. Lovely left foot. Thought he was a bit of a striker, I must admit, in small-sided games in training. Fancied himself a little bit in small-sided games, but yeah, he's a good guy. The season progresses and um, we get near the end and there's obviously a big three-way fight between yourselves, West Ham and Reading. How did you sort of see that dynamic near the end of the season and like the rivalry between the three clubs? It seems to be quite a, a big rivalry there between the three clubs. Yeah, if I'm honest, there was, it didn't feel like that within the group. Um, obviously, Reading came from nowhere. I mean, what, they won 17, 18 games in a row to, to, to win the league. Um, so they weren't really in our in didn't really have our attention to be honest until late until they put a brilliant run in, in West Ham. Obviously, we were aware of that because we knew they were the favourites and had a very very good team. But we were I know it sounds yeah, typical, but we were concentrating on ourselves. You know, we knew I think we were well, we we were top two all season. I think from the opening day of the season, maybe top of the league for 80 percent of that time. Um, and it was gutting. I'm not going to lie. It was gutting not to win the league um, because we'd not really had the chance in League One when we got promoted because we were so far behind. But we'd led the championship all season, um, and then losing that game at home to Reading was was difficult to take. Um, but we kept to that focus of of getting promoted, and there was a few sticky moments here and there, a few draws where you felt as though you could have won, and teams were getting a little bit closer here and there, um, but not a huge rivalry just more of an awareness of the, of the two clubs so we get to the end of the season we obviously had the chance to get promoted Middlesbrough we go ahead early and, and don't win that but then a week later we take on, we take on Coventry and obviously and it's a massive day and did, did you get injured did you get injured early in that game is that right yeah yeah I did yeah so it was it was an interesting build up for me because we'd obviously played at Millwall and we knew if we'd won we would we would be promoted. Um, so we knew potentially what days we were going to have off next week. Um, if we got promoted, we thought there'd be obviously a night out, some celebrations. And then I think, did West Ham play on the Tuesday night? I think they might have played against um, Leicester on the Tuesday yes, night. Yeah, if Leicester had beaten them or a draw, we would have got promoted again. But they won 1-0. So we were all around Cal's house. All the players around Cal's house thinking, right, if we get promoted again, we'll all be out. You know, we weren't drinking at the time because we like, but if they were going to get from, if they'd won or drawn, we would have been on the drink then. The family were there. But that didn't happen again. So there was a couple of moments where a bit of, you know, you feel a bit flat, if I'm honest, thinking, all right, it's not going to happen. But it was still in our hands. And then actually, look, my wife was, was pregnant at the time, like heavily pregnant. And in that week, we were moving house as well. So, like, I had, like, so I was in two nights before the game. I went and stayed in a hotel while my wife moved house with my daughter, and she was heavily pregnant. So there was all sorts going on, and I kind of just disappeared to, to the hotel, really, just just chilled out. But um, which was quite nice for me. I don't think it was too nice for my wife. But um, and then we chat. We trained at the ground as well, which we'd never done before. Nigel wanted us to train at the ground for the last two or three days just to not be familiar with the pitch because obviously we played there for a long, long time, but just be around the surroundings and make it make it feel really, really comfortable. Um, so the build-up was was reasonably intense, really. And again, we'd lost at Middlesbrough and then for two days before the game, we'd been doing shape, team shape, working on the team shape. And I wasn't in it. I wasn't playing. I wasn't in the starting eleven, um, which was fine. Look, we're all on the same... We're trying to get promoted. Whoever plays, plays. 
and then Nigel names the team on a Friday, I'm in the team. So it's it's one of those where that used to happen, chop and change, um, and then got injured, yeah, after 20 minutes. It was, I think we were 2-0 up at the time. Um, and I just felt as though, and I'm gutted about it now because I wanted to play the game and I thought it was a worse injury, but it was only a dead leg. But it felt, it felt horrendous. And I've just, it was just, I suppose it's part of my character and I suppose being captain, I just thought we we're 2-0 up, the game's won. If I can't run around properly and I lose my runner or lose my player from a set piece and commentary getting them back in a game and it's 2-1 and then we end up drawing tour at 2 all, I'd never, I'd never forgive myself. So I was like, look, I could probably play on, but I'm not, I'm not 100%, so I, I'd come off. So, yeah, unfortunately got injured and just had to kind of watch it from the sidelines, which is quite enjoyable. How many people mention you swearing live on BBC One? <laughs> it still happens now. It still, still happens, happens now. I know. And I got told just before we went on, look, don't swear, we're live. And obviously I'm thinking, yeah, cool. So I think it was me, me, Adam Lalana, Richard, uh, I think uh, Billy Chaplow Sharp. Yeah. comes in sort of Chaplow, gets involved. Yeah, comes in. Yeah. I, I don't know where it's come from because I've never done it before and I've never done it since. I just got carried away at the moment. I'm trying to think if I'd had a drink in the dressing room because I was injured. I went in, got some treatment, got changed. It was 4-0 at a time. I, I don't think I did, though. So I haven't even got that excuse. I just I just got carried away at the moment and, um, yeah, obviously swore on camera. And it was nice to see the presenter's face and just thinking, oh, Christ, what are we going to do here? He apologised straight away. I apologised. There we go. Yeah, it was Dan Walker. Yeah, it was, yeah. It yeah, was yeah, Dan Walker. Yeah, gone on to, yeah, other, other yeah. things now. It was bizarre, though, because... I remember watching it back and the game was still going on, yeah. I think, at the time. And then the, the whole interview was a kind of a bit of a mess because you all just want to go and run on the pitch, as do the fans. Well, they pulled <laughs> us from the dugout. Like so I was in the dugout. I'd be, I got changed by then. I was in the dugout. Adam Alarm was in the dugout. Billy Sharp was in the dugout, I think, at the time. So it was 4 it was like literally two minutes, three minutes before the end. And they just pulled us and said, look, can you come down? Can you come down? And we were like, yeah, right. of course, look, we're doing an interview. And there was, it just went, he went, look, we're going live, so no swearing. And that was it, we're in. And then what do I say? Straight away, oh, it's fucking brilliant. So it's like, it's one of those, sorry if it's a swearing, but yeah. And then you're like, oh, look. let them two talk. I've, I've ruined it, carry on. <laughs> you ruined nothing, Dean, you ruined nothing. <laughs> what a day. I'm guessing you, due to your, your uh, dead leg, you didn't get involved in the uh, pitch page with uh, Ricky and Joss on people's shoulders. No, and do you know what? I missed it because the, the previous year I did and it was brilliant. It's a little bit nerve-wracking, if I'm honest. Like yeah. the euphoria <laughs> to straight with is, is amazing. You're like, I'm lifted up and all that. And then after a while, you're like, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get off the pitch here and I don't know you and you're not putting me down and I don't feel too safe. And But it was brilliant. Like the, when we got promoted from League One, it was it was fantastic to, to, to feel that moment with the fans. But no, the second time I didn't, I was kind of straight down the tunnel, boys on the pitch. And they didn't come in for ages as well. I must admit, it was a long, long time because um, then we went back in the dressing room. And it was lovely, actually. I must admit, it was a lovely moment where... So we came in through the tunnel um, and you, as you come in through the tunnel, I don't know if you've been through the tunnel from the pitch, you go through the tunnel and you come to the, like, the right-hand side, then you go down kind of like a bigger tunnel hallway where the, uh, the changing rooms are and the offices and everything... And all the uh, wives and kids were there, and it was lovely. All the like the players were coming on, and the kids were running down to their dads, and it was quite an emotional moment. It was lovely. I remember my daughter running down and just like giving me a big cuddle, 
And it was like to share that moment with your kids and your family and just with the players, it, it was lovely. Um, and then we disappeared in, into the dressing room and had a right good piss up. So it was, um, it was, it was the best of, best of both worlds. Stuff. It, was a fan- it was a brilliant day. Just seems like uh, such a long time ago now. Was, yeah, it was just a fantastic day all around, really. Oh, it was, it was, it was lovely. You got to think for two years in a row, we got to the final day of the season to get promoted at home in front of our own fans, and that I don't think you can ask for any more than that. I'd put, I'd almost prefer that than you know winning it with ten games, five games to go. It it just felt really special, and then. Obviously, you mentioned, you know, being on the pitch with the fans, the fans coming and sharing that, but also going up into the stands afterwards um, and, you know, all the staff and all the players coming out and looking out onto the pitch and all the fans being on the pitch and singing songs and celebrating together. I think that's one of my fondest memories, if I'm honest, you know, sharing that together, us showing appreciation for the fans and the fans showing appreciation for us. And to be able to do that two years in a row was was very, very special. It really, really was. Before we move into yeah, Premier League, Leicester and beyond, you kind of touched on the competition for places at that point and players around you like Lalana, Morgan, Ricky Lambert. Was it was it kind of clear from those days? you know, the the absolute quality of these players and maybe how far they, they would go? The quality of the players was clear, very, very clear. Would I be able to say that, you know, Jose Font is going to go and win the European Championship with Portugal, Adam Lallana is going to win the Premier League, Ricky Lamb is going to play for England, Luke Shaw is going to play for England. I could name the list, Morgan Sidon is going to play in the World Cup, going to Man United. I don't know if I could have said that, but the quality of the players was there. It was just Adam Lallana is, I mean, you saw him in games, you know, the way he played in games. He was even better in training. It was, honestly, it was, he is an exceptional talent, an exceptional person as well. I have to say that because he didn't just have the talent. His work ethic was ridiculous. You know, he'd work as hard as anyone in training. He put in the extra work as well. And he was a nice guy as well and really wanted to be a footballer and cared. You know, he led in the dressing room as well. Pretty vocal, Adam, really vocal. For a, for a young lad, he was very, very passionate. And it was, uh, but you know, Ricky Lambert, again, looks like it just came natural to him and everything. But he worked. You know, when he first came to the club, he, got, he had to get himself into condition. He had to lose a little bit of weight. He had to tone up. He was in the gym. Things that probably the fans don't see, you know, for the first probably two or three months of his career at Southampton, he was in the gym before anyone had got into the training ground on the bike, doing some weights, just to get himself into the best condition he could to to then bring out that player that he is. Um, and that happened with a lot of a lot a lot of players. So um, the talent was amazing. The tempo and the standard in training was crazy. Like every, I would honestly say, training was harder than the games. Because we were playing, you're playing against better players in training than you were in League One or the Championship. <laughs> so training was harder than the games. You come to the games, they're almost easy because of the quality and the training, the tempo. I mean, some of the tackles that used to go in and the competitiveness was, was brilliant. All clean, all like fair, but competitive because you wanted to play. And um, and I'd have to say, a mention to the, the special mention to the managers and the coaches as well. You know, that's from, you know, Alan Pardew, Wally Downs, Dean Wilkins, Andy Crosby, um, Nigel as well. It's, they were, 
they worked really, really hard to improve us as players. There was some real detail in what we were doing, whether that was on the pitch, whether that was in the, um, I'm going to say classroom, sounds like being in a school, whether it was in the classroom watching the videos or anything. There was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes. And Nick Carvey as well, um, um, sports science and um, conditioning, put a lot of work into, into the players. So a real team effort. But to answer your question, yeah. I, did I know some of them were going to play in the Premier League? Yeah. Really interesting what you say about, you know, Ricky getting the gym before anyone and Lalana being vocal, things that maybe you don't see as a fan. But that elite mentality, it seems, is what you're saying. Like the quality of the player was there, but that maybe is what led them then to have the kind of relatively you know, incredible careers given where they came from with Saints. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, an example of um, what it was like. I mean, Adam Lalana being vocal and, and believing in, in what he was saying. I remember him having an argument with um, Raddy Jaidi. And you're thinking, ah, leave that alone, mate, because she's having to argue with Raddy. And it, it, that was in training. And then it carried on to the dressing room. But not an argument as in, like, you're talking about having a fight, but just two passionate, confident guys believing in what they're saying to help the team and help themselves. You know, making a point, you could have done this, you could have done that, but being really passionate about it. And that happened That happened quite, quite a lot. So um there was lots of stuff that went on like that lots of conversations between the groups whether that was led by Nigel or what with us in in the dressing room I remember a, 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 the a, the game after uh Brighton away uh where Ricky got sent off um we were playing really really well and I think we ended up losing 4-1 4-0 3-0 to Brighton um and I remember us sitting in the dressing room for about 45 minutes afterwards as players manager didn't say anything the coaches didn't say anything just led by the players and just started like, look we're close to achieving something here let's not let this slip let's do this blah 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 and there was lots of those conversations going on all the time lots of fun as well it was good fun I must admit it wasn't all serious which was which was nice but yeah it was a special time Did you sort of know from quite an early stage that you wouldn't be in the manager's plans or was it sort of sort of sprung on you at, at quite, a, quite a late date um, no, it wasn't sprung on me. Did I have a feeling potentially? Um, I, like, I was obviously in competition with with Corky Morgan. Um, Stephen Davis came in as well as obviously he's a top class player. Um, and then you had James Ward Prowse coming through as well, which the club were very very keen to introduce and, and push him forward, and, and rightly so. I mean, look at the career he's had. He's captain of the football club now. Plays for played for England, so. I had a, I had a feeling. I had a feeling, really, and I'd actually had a really, really good pre-season. I played really well in pre-season, um, and didn't expect not to be part of it. I didn't, if I'm honest, if I sit now and reflect, I probably didn't expect to be captain because you know you're captain, you want playing every week. So I thought, okay, I might be relieved of those duties. Did I believe I might get an opportunity? Yes. Did I think I would be part of the squad or on the bench the first game? Potentially. But it just didn't happen. And that's football. Look, it's, it's what happens in football. And, and Nigel was good with me. Look, all I can say, Nigel told me. There was no doubt. Um, there was a few conversations that happened during pre-season. There was a, a conversation about my squad number might need to change. I think there was a player that was coming or maybe didn't come in. I wanted the number 14 number shirt and obviously that's what I wore and there was a conversation that, that might I might have to change my shirt um, and then away at Man City before the first game I was, I was part of the squad 
Um, and Nigel just after the pre-match meal, like you always do in the hotels, just pulled me and just said, "Look, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be part of the um, squad today. You're not going to make the bench, um, and I'm going to make Adam Lalana captain." And was I disappointed? Of course I was, um, but I was pleased for Adam as well. I was pleased that he was going to be made captain um, because I think that was all I can say is when I was when I was given the armband, that added responsibility, I think, improved me as a player and helped me as a player. So, yeah, I was disappointed um, because I just wanted that. I suppose I just wanted to finish finish it off. Signing for the club in, you know, in League One on minus 10, minus nine points where we were on, to then lead the team out in the Premier League would have been, um, would have been the perfect ending, I suppose. But I didn't get that chance. And, and that's life, that's football. But, but the club were good for me. That's all I can say. Nothing. I'd never say a bad word against the club. It's interesting what you say about. I mean, I was at that Man City game that day, and I, I don't think there's been any word yet about um, Adam Lallana being captain. But when, he, when the team was named and said he was captain, I think there was a big surprise with you, to most of the fans in the ground. But um, it's interesting what you say about how vocal he was in the dressing room. Because I mean, from a fan's point of view, I just I wouldn't have seen it myself. But yeah, it's really it's really interesting to hear. Yeah, he's a, he's a good captain. He really is. Um, and he was, all, like I say, very vocal, very passionate and led by example. It's not always what you say. He, he led by example in his performances. Um, he looked after himself off the pitch as well. Um, good with the younger players. Would, like I say, voice his opinion. Um, so, yeah, I could, if, I could see why Nigel made him captain. Um, and one, I think he felt was able to improve him as a player as well. And I think that did it. It brought a little bit more, I suppose, maturity um, to his game. Um, so yeah, it was it was great to see him to lead lead the team out. Having played with him for um, as long as you did, were you sort of this not the way he? I mean, not the way he left the club because that's I mean that's by the by. But were you sort of disappointed that the, the almost the relationship between the fans and him almost just isn't what it is as other players have left, such as yourself or or Ricky or someone like that. Yeah, I always think it's tough. It's really, really tough because I, I, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs exactly what happened, um, and in in terms of what's put in the newspapers, and that's what the fans will read. You know, they will read what's in the newspapers. They don't won't be given the full story and all the information. And obviously, Adam can't express that information or what he's feeling. And as far as I understand it, he knew it was an opportunity to go to look one of the biggest football clubs in, in the country and in the world with so much history with a chance to maybe win the Premier League, maybe play in the Champions League. So I don't think, I think if you ask any fan, I don't think they hold that against him. And what happened in between negotiations, what was said, what wasn't said, I don't know. So it's, it's, it's a shame because what he did for that team and what the club did for him, I think it's just a brilliant story. And I think it should always be looked at like that and I know, all I can say is I know he loved playing for the football club and I know he gave everything for the football club and I know he appreciated the fans as well and, and the support they gave him. So, yeah, it's, I suppose it's a disappointment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't argue with what he's done. I mean, just look at his trophy cabinet. He's got a Champions League, winner's medal and a Premier League, winner's medal. So, he's not done too badly. Dean, <laughs> you did get your, your crack in the Premier League with Leicester City. I actually read somewhere that you started more games in the 
Premier League with Leicester than you had the previous season in the Championship. So clearly they put their their trust in you. I think I read also you had a kind of string of four or five games where you were you were starting and maybe uh, injury derailed that. But how was that? I guess yeah, finally playing that string of games for Leicester in the in the Premier League. Brilliant. Brilliant. It was always a career dream of mine. You know, starting at, at Brighton and when I started at Brighton, we were a League Two team, didn't have a stadium, um, didn't have a training ground, no money at the football club. And and to hear, you know, I have a dream of I want to get, I want to play in the Premier League. People would have laughed at me thinking, how the hell are you going to get to the Premier League? So it was always an ambition of mine, came close with Southampton. So it was a disappointment in that, but that fueled me to, to continue that, get into the playoffs with Brighton the following season and losing in the playoffs. Um, and then obviously the promotion with Leicester, which was a great move and a great club, very similar to Southampton, actually. Um, so, yeah, being able to play in the Premier League was a, was a dream come true. And if I'm honest, I felt comfortable. I felt comfortable at that level. I, I felt as though it suited my game, if I'm honest, um, because look, the tempo of it is quick. Um in the vital moments, it's quick. It really, really is. You know, the top players, there's a huge difference. But in terms of the role that I would play, a holding midfield player, you get time on the ball. It's more a tactical game, more interceptions than maybe tackles. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it. But unfortunately for me, I didn't get there till I was 32. Um, and, you know, I had to get myself in tip-top condition, which I was, was always in, but I had to really push my body um, and then suffered with some some injuries unfortunately I think I pulled my I pulled my calf four or five times that season every time I came back I'd rip it again and then it would go again um, so I start I didn't start the first game I came on after I think I came on after 20 minutes against Everton on the first day it's funny that against Gareth Barry so it was um, my <laughs> Premier League debut was against another boy from Hastings a legend from Hastings which is again another interesting but and we drew one all and then I think I started the next six seven games after that Famous win against Man United when we beat them 5-3. Um, so we had some some good results, really, really was. And then I came back towards the end of the season um, and played a few games there when we um, we had the great escape where we were dead and buried and then we won the last eight games out of 10 to, to keep us up. So, yeah, really, really good. Mm. Two of my very close friends are Leicester fans. One a season ticket holder for a long time and hold you in very high regard, Dean. So I will, uh, I will just yeah insert that. <laughs> you, you've been connected to the club as you touched on earlier um, since then, and quite an interesting role. And probably the first time I've heard of a at least a former player going to do something like loan management. Um, I know you're involved in the development of players at Harvey Barnes, but yeah, I'd be interested to hear kind of how that role came about and how you see that role maybe progressing You know, in the future. We've got Armando Broja, who's on loan from Chelsea, for instance. I know Chelsea obviously loan out a lot of players. Tino Livramento, we've signed him, but there's obviously that buyback clause, etc. Yeah, maybe just kind of elaborate on that loan manager role you played for, for Leicester. Well, it's a brilliant role. and I think it will play a big part in um, younger players coming through in, in academies, especially at the top level. Um, and I, I loved it, I must admit. And it all came about from... So I finished the game um, the year Leicester won the Premier League. I went online to Sheffield United. That didn't work out. Um, just had my third child, so I took some time out of the game and then never got back into it. Uh, but we're still fit. Um, like physically fit, mentally drained. I struggled a bit when I finished the game, if I'm honest. Uh, felt a little bit lost. Didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Um, and then I got a phone call from the Leicester 23s manager 
who I'd gotten really well when I was at the club. Um, and he just said, look, I think it was about January, February sort of time. And they were bottom in the league in the 23s um, and had a lot of injuries. And so we had a really young group. He had like 18, 19 year olds, players like Harvey Barnes, players like Hamza Chowdhury, uh, Ben Chilwell, blah, blah, blah. So he had a young, young group. Um, and he said, look, will you just come in and speak to them? Look, just come in and, and speak to the players, give some advice, give some reflection on your career and see if you can relate to them because we're struggling a bit at the moment. So I went in, spoke to him one day and then the next day he said, look, do you fancy training? You look fit. And I was like, oh, look, okay, look, I'll put my boots on. I'll have a, have a, have a kick around for a, for a day or so. That say turned into a couple of weeks. At the end of the couple of weeks, he said, do you fancy playing? And I was like, because you can play overage players in the 23s. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. He said, look, look fit. Do you fancy just sitting in the middle of the park and just help these younger boys? They've got the legs. You can just kind of guide them through. So I ended up signing again and then playing in the 23s, all for free. Wasn't getting paid, unfortunately. That would be nice. But um, it's playing playing for free. And we ended up staying up. We ended up staying up. The love we played, we actually played in the last ever game at White Hart Lane, which was a 23s game. Um, so it was half kind of knocked down and we played there, beat Tottenham 4-1 um, and loved it. And um, felt I got the buzz back for football, I must admit. And um, that's a role now that's happening at other clubs. So you're getting players that are finishing their career, but going back, play for the 23s. Paul McShane's doing it at Man United. Um, another player's done it at Brighton that I used to play with. So there's players doing it around the country now that, 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 are, do, that are doing that, um, which is really, really beneficial. I think it is. It helps the younger boys. Um, you've got to do it with the right players. And basically from that, in the dressing room afterwards, I got offered the, the loan manager's role. Um, they said to me, look, will you come in and, and do the loan manager's role? We've got some of these players that you played with today. Some other ones are going to go out on loan. What we want you to do is go and watch and play, go and watch and train, speak with the manager, be that in-between man, kind of report back to us, clip up some of their games, give them some advice where they're going, what they're doing well, what they can improve on. And just have that relationship because when when I used to go out online, you get sent away and that was it. Your own devices. If you're doing well, we'll give you a phone call. If you're not, all the best sort of thing. So you need that that support really. So absolutely loved it. Did it for about eight months. Um, and then unfortunately, my wife had a back operation. So I had to give the roll up, um, which was a bit gutting. Um, but that's life. But yeah, I think it's a a big role in football clubs now, I really do. And if you can get former players involved with it and they can join in training as well and play, I think you've got the whole thing. I think it's, Sam, you might know this, but I think it's Ollie, Ollie Lancashire, isn't it? He's yes, Ollie's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At Saints, he's coming, he's started most of our, our beating games so far this season, but sounds like a very similar setup to what, what you were describing there, Dean. Let's just touch on what you think of um the, the, the current state of the club in terms of uh, what our ambitions should be for the season and obviously we're talking a couple of days before Man City away so how do you, I would say how do you see that one going but probably know the answer to that but yeah just how, how, you, how you see Saints in general at the moment well the answer is that would be a Southampton win wouldn't it so um, but it's um, <laughs> look I, it's, it's, it's an interesting one like, I obviously worked for the, for the club again and, and watched every game last season the season before as well um, and I like what they're trying to do um, I do and you, you look back last season when we were top of the league 
fourth in the league around Christmas time, beating Liverpool to go fourth in the league. Um, I think it was the last day of Christmas, or it might have been just into January. That might have been. We beat Liverpool 1-0 at home. Um, and then just, uh, unfortunately, just went on a, on a poor run. But obviously then get to the FA Cup semi-final, which is really, really good. Uh, unfortunately, lost to Leicester. And now with what the manager's done in the summer by bringing the younger players in um, and, and, and kind of, it looks like he's a good coach. It looks like he, he develops the younger boys. He, you know, the players, that, like you mentioned, Liveramento's come in. I mean, what a player he is. I mean, that's an unbelievable find. That really, really is. And then you've got, obviously, James Ward-Browse committing to the football club. I think Jack Stevens is performing better. I think, obviously, Carl Walker-Peters is missing out at the moment, but is, is a very, very good player. I mean, Brower that came on against West Ham, where he got that pace from, I don't know, but it was it was exceptional. And he looks like, again, a real, real find. Um, I think Shea Adams is going to get better. I think Adam Armstrong is a really, really good signing, almost identical to, to Danny Ings, but a younger version, a little bit quicker than Danny. So there's some good signs, there really is. But the question you asked me, which is always difficult and probably difficult for about eight, nine clubs in the Premier League, is what can you achieve? It's it's so difficult, so difficult. You think of the the, the top clubs, what they're spending on players, uh, what they're investing, and then you've got the clubs that are even under them in Tottenham, in Arsenal, in Aston Villa, and in Everton that are spending as well. A huge football club. So, I think if Southampton can get anywhere, you know, around the top ten, I think that's very impressive. And another cup run. Why not try and win one of the trophies? I think that's that's what the model of the football club now and and have that connection with the fans, with the younger boys coming in. Because the younger players coming through, whether it's from Southampton's academy or it's a younger player coming to the team, there's, there always feels like there's more more love and more connection with the fans. The fans want to see that. There's that enthusiasm, that love for the game. And I think Southampton are trying to do, for, do that. So um, what has it been? Three draws and one defeat. Um, but a great performance against Man United. I think we could have been West Ham at the weekend. Um, a really good first half performance against Everton and then second half just got overpowered. And then the game against Newcastle is an interesting one. But uh, there was something in that Newcastle game that impressed me. You know, being 2-1 down in the 90th minute and then to have that mentality to still believe that you can get something out of the game and then have a player like James Ward-Prowse to put it away. There was a bit of a switch there, I thought. There's something different this year that that wouldn't have happened last year, especially in the second half of the season. That, that, that for whatever reason, wouldn't have happened. Whether there's, a, there's more togetherness, whether the groups are a little bit younger so they can go longer in games. I just think there's something different. So I'm interested to see how the season will go. Yeah, Agreed. Thing. The squad depth as well just need, needs to be pulled out. It seems like Ralph is a lot happy with with what he's got at his disposal. And uh, yeah, like you said, I think we um, didn't feel right that Saints scored a, a last minute goal to either equalise <laughs> or win. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, that that happening. Dean, thanks so much for for yeah. I guess your your chat so far. We've got one more thing to throw at you, which is your all-time five-a-side that you played with we're going to go for? Um, so this can be a cross- no, we, we spoke about this. We, we've obviously been quite Saint-centric, so it can be from any team that you've played in. 
I'll tell you what, I'll manage it because I wouldn't get in the team for a start. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can pick a team. I'm going to try, but and I'm going to upset a few people here. And I'm going to mention that obviously the goal. We start with goal. We've got to have a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper. But Kelvin Davis was brilliant. He really, really was on the pitch, off the pitch, inspirational, um, brilliant in the dressing room, really good, top class keeper. Worked very, very hard in training as well. Another player that led by example. Um, but I'd have to put Casper Smichael in there because he, he's top draw. He really, really is and works very, very hard. Brilliant goalkeeper. Loves the game. Um, dedicated to what he does. Just wants to be a footballer. That's it. Just wants to be a footballer. Um, and he's just brilliant. He really, really is. And um, got on very, very well with him um, when I was at the club. So, yeah, Casper would have to go and go. And he's good with his feet as well. So, he can run out a bit more. He's just a little bit better than Kel with his feet, um, I'd say. So Casper, Casper in goal. What, what, what? So I've got four players. So we'll go two, one, one. I, I can't go two. I can't put two defenders. I'm gonna have to go one defender. Yeah. Oh. I, it's just I'm, I'm, how do I pick? I, look, I've got who would I want? Jose Fonto would probably uh, would be obviously be up there. I've got Matty Upson that I played with at Brighton was unbelievable. Wayne Bridge was unbelievable at Brighton. Um, you've got Wes Morgan, um, who was, was fantastic. Um, oh, my God. Bruno was brilliant at Brighton. I'm going to have to put Jose in. I just, look, I'm just going to go. I'll put Jose Fontaine because I uh, love playing with him. Great character. Again, um, it's, it's a theme of the group, really. Um, disciplined and worked his nuts off. <sighs> Won the European Championship with Portugal, which is which is crazy, really, really is, um, and still playing now. And won what he won the French title last year with Leon. Yeah. With Leon, was it with Leon was it? Um, Leon. Leon, sorry. So yeah, that just shows shows the type of person he is. So yeah, you know, I was worried you weren't going to pick pick one Saints player. So you, at oh, least no, you're no, on a no. Saints <laughs> podcast, exactly. So no, at least I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Jose would have to go there. And what have I got? So I've got oh, midfield player. Again, how do I pick between Adam Lalana, Esteban Cambiasso, um, Kante, um, Vicente? Do you remember Vicente? Played for Brighton, used to play for Valencia. Oh my God, I'm missing players out as well. I can't even. Danny Drinkwater was brilliant as well. Um, Morgan Snyderlin was exceptional. Uh, I'm gonna have to put. Uh, I have to put Adam Alarm in. I have to. Yeah, I have to put him in. He's obviously it's a Southampton podcast, so that helps. But yeah, like I say, he's probably one of the best players I play with. Obviously, you could say Esteban because of what he achieved in the game and stuff. But I play with him towards the end of his career. Um, can say obviously he's won everything. Was well, he won the World Cup, Champions League, Premier Leagues, everything? So, and probably the nicest guy you ever meet as well most politest guy you ever meet so I'd have to but I'll go with Adam I'll go with Adam Alana just exceptional I've mentioned enough about him just an exceptional player everything and how he does a cross time with both feet I don't know it's it's, it's a joke really um, so yeah I tried to kick him in training still couldn't do it but yeah it's uh, Adam Alana and then front line 
I mean, I could go Riyad Mahrez. I played with Teddy Sheringham at Colchester. Um, Ricky Lambert, obviously. Jamie Vardy. David Nugent was brilliant. Um, David Connolly was brilliant. I know he could never stay fit, but what a player. I play with... Um, do you remember Paul Kitson? He used to play for Charlton and West Ham. He was very, very good. Bobby Zamora, again, brilliant player. Ah, oh, look at this. This is why I could never get in a team. I'd play with all these players. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to have to say Ricky Lambert. I have to say Ricky because of what, what, he, what he did for the football club and the amount of goals he scored. Um, and yeah, he was good on the night out as well. He was enjoyable having a drink with Ricky, I must admit. Cool. Got in trouble together a few times, which was good. Um, so, yeah, Ricky's in. And then I'd have to say Jamie Vardy as well. So, yeah, Jamie was, was was yeah, I mean, what do I say about Jamie? Works hard. Brilliant guy. Crazy. Absolute lunatic. Um, but a family man as well. Um, good friend of mine. Um, but, yeah, what a player. What a player. Um, good finisher. So, yeah, it's not a bad team. Not a bad team. When, when you first started playing with, with Jamie, did you um, did you would you guess you would get over hundred Premier League goals? Do you know what? I knew he had the ability. Well, I not knew, but I saw that he had the ability to do it. I think the only thing that was preventing Jamie at that point was the belief in himself. I think he just needed to show it to himself. I think the first year he had at Leicester didn't quite work out for him. The year they lost in the playoff semi-final to Watford, I think he was in and out. I think there's a picture of like on the bench where he's sitting next to him and Harry Kane are on the bench for, oh, yeah. for Leicester. Um, it just didn't work out. And then Nigel Pearson and Craig Shakespeare at the time showed real faith in him and just said, "Look, you're not you're not leaving. You're not. We believe in you." Um, and then he just he, the partnership he had with David Nugent really helped him. Um, but honestly, I can't explain how quick he is. It's a, he's lightning. He is lightning. And I mean, I he must have been about 26 when I 25, 26 when I joined. So he was just coming into his prime now, but he's still as quick now. And what is he now? 33, 34. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's a great guy. But yeah, he's he's fun. You have to be on your toes when you're around and put it that way. You can't sit still. But he's yeah, he's a good guy, a really good guy. We're nearly at nine o'clock, chaps. I'm conscious of not taking up yes. your whole whole night. Um, Dean, it's been yeah, class to to chat all things Saints and beyond. Really, really appreciate you coming on the pod. No, it's just brilliant. Great, great to chat to you, Dean. Really appreciate appreciate you coming on. Been been great to reminisce about um that Saint, Saints Saints uh, glory years. <laughs> There's more of them to come for Southampton. More of <laughs> them to come. But no, thanks. Say. It's been great, guys. It's been great. My pleasure. No problem at all. Thank you.